Welcome to Beginner Women, a podcast where we throw out our adult agendas and focus on what it takes to shape a new future for girls and young women. From education and career to health and wealth, we talk to experts, thought leaders, and extraordinary women who will challenge the way you think about girls, women, and ambition. Here's your host, Katherine Cornfield. Welcome to Beginner Women. I'm Katherine Cornfield, founder of Ambitious, and that's Ambitious with a She, where we take a unique approach to leadership and career development. We've helped hundreds of girls and young women to develop autonomy, agency, and purpose by equipping them with the critical skills and knowledge they need to thrive today and in tomorrow's world. We started this podcast because we know how important everyday role models are, and we want to empower you, parents, educators, and other caring adults with smart, actionable strategies to help the beginner women in your lives reach their full potential. Thank you so much for joining us. So welcome to Beginner Women, and I am really excited this morning to be joined by Maureen McCann, a fierce advocate of career development. And she is someone who is absolutely committed and dedicated to preparing Canadians for the future of work. She is the founder of Promotion Career Solutions and one of Canada's top executive resume writers with more than 15 years experience teaching, mentoring and facilitating career development for executives and professionals. In her work, Maureen is also a huge champion of career development as a volunteer. She is a senior board advisor to the Career Professionals of Canada and an active member of both the Canadian Council for Career Development Outreach and Advocacy Committee and the Canadian Career Development Federation uh, National Stakeholder Committee. Thank you so much for joining us today, Maureen. Thanks so much for having me, Catherine. Good. Well, I'm excited to get started. Today, we're going to talk about leadership and career development. Obviously, we're going to talk a little bit in general terms about the future of work, and we're going to talk about the importance of experiential learning and and try to apply that as best as we can to to beginner women. So right off the top, you are really well known and respected as a career expert and have been working in the field of career development for many, many years. Um but I'm not sure that everybody knows what that actually means. Can you take a minute to explain to our listeners what exactly career development is and what is a career coach or strategist? Thanks, Catherine. So, you know, the Canadian Council of Career Development defines career development as the lifelong process of managing your learning and your work to move forward in work and in life. So that's really what I do. My work involves guiding and advising professionals on how to manage their career. And I look at it from a number of different levels. So I'm most known for my ability to to manage the tactical piece. So things in job search, resume, that type of thing. Um, but there's the emotional piece of it as well. And there's always that financial layer. And then sometimes there's a spiritual aspect as well. So that sense of community versus isolation. So that's a little bit about career development and the work that I do. That's interesting, actually. I, I really appreciate the distinctions that you're making between the tactical, the emotional, the financial, and the spiritual when it comes to individuals uh, and their career. And even to to hear you express that niche of being an expert in the tactical, that is not a small thing. Writing resumes and the job search is a, is a really challenging piece for, for everybody. And I, I hope we can dig in a little bit more to that as it relates to, to young uh, girls and, and, and women as they, as they get out into the workforce. But to start, maybe you could give me a sense of why somebody uh, would 
need or when they would need a career coach and, and uh, why, why would they seek that kind of advice? So I love to use the example of the movie The Wizard of Oz to help demonstrate why someone would work with a career professional. So think of the, the character Glinda. She's the good witch of the North. Career practitioners, they're not going on the journey with you, but they're certainly pointing you towards the yellow brick road. Ah. They're going to rescue you from the poppy fields, and they're going to reveal the secrets to going back home or wherever it is that you want to go. So, you know, in bullet points, I would say, you know, the why falls under helping people gain perspective and, and clarity around career, reducing that time of wonderment, like that in limbo, I yeah. should, I could. Um, improving the alignment. So this is what I want to do. This is what I have to do. Um, Guiding them through that exploration phase. So, you know, what else is out there, that type of thing. And then really, you know, preventing you from making any costly mistakes. And I I immediately think of students as an example, but it can happen at the executive level as well. Mm -hmm. So career professionals, we're really there to construct a framework to make sure that you're aiming well, and we're going to eliminate any time wasters so that you're not spinning in circles. And think of us as that guide. We're not going down the yellow brick road with you, but we're there if you need us. Well, I I think that's a really, uh, really good explanation of it. And I think that um, it's interesting because I'm not sure that there's a lot of um, parents or teachers out there that would connect a career professional to uh, that that sort of early stage and that early um, determining of the path from high school and into post secondary and then from post secondary into uh, into the workforce. So uh, you know, you and I have actually talked before about the importance of career development for kids and for young people. And it seems to me that uh, you know I hear in in the work that I do and and among parents, there's almost sort of two schools of thought. There are There are some proponents for kids thinking uh, as soon as possible about their future. And then there are others, and those people sometimes have pretty strong agendas. And then there are those who will say, like, let the kids be kids. Don't pressure them. Don't ask them. Leave them alone. Um, What what do you think about that, uh, those two schools of thought? So I fall into the first camp, and I would say about the second camp, if you're pressuring kids, you're not doing it right. Like, point it out. Right. Really, your job as a parent or a guide is to prompt kids to think about making those connections. So I did this really great exercise with a group of kids where I said, okay, in your day, I want you to just think about the people that you come across who are working. And so, of course, the obvious answers are teachers, principals. Every once in a while, you get a janitor thrown in there. But then I said, well, what about what about lunch? What happened at lunchtime? Mm. And so, you you know, you might think, you know, cafeteria, but no, a student came back and said, farmer. And I'm like, there you go. Now you're thinking. It's really about showing kids how to connect to their economy. And, and as parents, what I would say is there's this great TED talk by um, Jane Andraka, and she talks about watching for the spark. So paying attention to your kids so that when they, you know, they, demonstrate an interest in something, you're there, you're able to pick up on it. And rather than drive in that direction, you're just exposing kids to whatever that area of interest happens to be. And you're doing it together. So you're learning together and you're sharing together. So you're you're standing beside them and and behind them. 
as they as they sort of and helping them to notice the spark rather than sort of putting things in front of them to say this is what you should do or this is the direction or have you thought about this or, and um, this is where you can make the most money and those kind of those kind of suggestions because I have heard that parents are very very influential in the lives of uh, young people in in determining their uh, their pathway and I notice that that sometimes there might be some value in in opening that conversation up to others other than parents like professionals people who work in career development yeah and the thing is parents we're doing the best that we can we you know it's well-meaning yes but i think a lot of times it's fear-based yes i want my kid to have a stable job so i'm going to point them towards engineering i i'll worry about their happiness later but i want to make sure that i feel secure that they are going to be able to take care of themselves yes so i'm going to steer them here when in reality you know those folks and you know i I can only speak anecdotally about it but those folks generally wind up talking to me in in career crisis sometime in their 30s exactly the only reason i became an engineer was because mom and dad forced you know directed me in that way but really i'm an artist yes yeah, and and it's um, I, I think that's actually as you are saying that and and suggesting that in many cases it's fear based. A lot of it has to do with the economics of of working, and uh, I I really in the work that I do with ambitious, I try to emphasize the importance of financial literacy as a personal tool. Um, and a professional one, but one that that um, if you have a solid understanding, the sooner you learn about money, and if you have a solid understanding, the more you'll have, the more flexibility you have, the more independence you'll have over the over the course of your life, which is in particular um, very valuable information for girls and women uh, to get early. And uh, I don't I don't want to sidetrack too much, but I I will just tell a slight story, which I didn't think I would. But when you talk about uh, really young kids, when my daughter, who is now 16 and in high school, was in kindergarten, she had the the, the you know, the inevitable question, the kindergarten teacher asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? And all the kids were supposed to uh, to put uh, a picture together and then the picture went up on the board and so at the parent teacher interview we went in and there was all the pictures on the board and there was the exactly what you just said there was the teacher there was the fireman there was the people that the young kids um had already been exposed to there there was one because i live in ottawa where we are a government town there was one that had an office worker in a box and that was the description uh and then there was my daughter's and she wanted to be a painter in the jungle and i i i kind of at that moment, I distinctly remember, I still remember it now, like I said, I, I thought to myself, oh, well, well, that's kind of cool. Um, and I kind of want to support that. I, I don't want to get in the way of that. I, I don't know what she means or if that's a thing, but I don't want to get in the way of that. And uh, and so that was the first spark for me about understanding that 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 young people have their own interests and agendas. So thank you for sharing about uh about parents in particular, not to, because they are doing the best they can, but there is a difference between being fear-based and trusting in the instinct that your that your kids have. So, I recently saw a piece that you wrote on LinkedIn uh, where you described the process of teaching your daughter how to write her first resume, and you suggested, of course, that parents could start thinking about this as young as ten. Um, can you take us through that process? I, I don't want to put you on the spot because it was a four-step process, I think. And uh, but I'm curious about uh, what what that was like taking your daughter through, and um, what advice you would provide for girls, uh, well, for parents of girls or parents of young people, 
um, to help them take those very, very first steps into the workforce with their very first job? So the first, so as a career professional, I've been like chomping at the bit to get her invested. And I have to step back as a parent and let her come to me. So the conversation started when she wanted, I think she wanted a data plan. And I said, okay, well, you know, that's something you're going to have to pay for. So she came to me and said, mom, can you help me figure out how to find a job? Of course, the career professional in me was like, woohoo, celebrating. Who better to ask? (laughs) Yeah. So we sat down together and all I had her do, we, the two of us together, to try and figure out what was out there in terms of um, options for her in our community. So we went to Google and searched part-time jobs and then entered where we live. And a couple of things came up and we sort of browsed through it together. Now, again, I'm trying to rush the process like, oh, no, 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 you don't want, you don't want to be a dishwasher. Right. I hear myself say it and I think, oh, stop. So, it, you know, there's this contradiction between the career professional and the parent. And we've just discussed, exactly. Right. And so I'm trying to let her drive the process. So this is me pulling the reins in. So she finds a couple of positions that she's interested in. We decide there's three that we're going to pursue. And so we print them off. We go through them together. And here's what I tell her to do. We take three highlighters, three different colors. We're going to highlight in yellow the, the things that they're asking her to do. We're going to highlight in pink the words they use to describe her, whoever that position happens to be. And then in green, anything that she can't currently do, she's going to have to speak to. And so I teach her how to, I show her how to do the first one. I teach the second one. I ask her to teach it back to me. And then the third one she's going to do on her own. Fantastic. So that's, yeah, so that's a, I mean, that doesn't come from me. There's lots of people who use that, that um, um, framework. But what happened was then she was able to understand how, how and why we're doing it and the resumes, we built the resumes accordingly. So again, we took a look at the things that she is known for, the things that she's really, really good at. Mm -hmm. And this is something that I've sort of been doing behind the scenes as a parent. I've been tracking any awards, any volunteer work, but it doesn't have to be like, it could just be interest. She likes to bake. So we talked about her interest in baking. And we sort of dug into that a little bit and figured out that there's some math involved in that. So really this process, we did it over two or three nights. um, And then we took both pieces. So all of the things that we know she's good at, all of the things that we know from the job poster, and we tried to put them, we tried to marry them together in a resume. And it it was a really fun process. I was surprised at how easily it came together. But again, I'm I've been planning this for a little while, so I had some ideas about what we were going to do. I think that what's uh, I mean, it's it's fantastic. I, I recently went through a similar process, not quite as methodical as that, uh, with my own daughter. Um, so I, I'm taking away the tips for the next time. But what is interesting is that um, she came to you, and that there was a, she was motivated. Now she was motivated. Um, by what she wanted, which is nothing wrong with that. Um, but but she was motivated and, and she came to you and you actually were able to frame it up in a way that she could learn from it and do it herself the next time. So I, I think that's really cool. I'm not sure whether you've seen, and I, I don't want to get too far off track here either, but there is a recent study by the Girl Guides of Canada that uh, uh, I think it was released just in uh, May of 2019, And the study indicated that the wage gap starts as early as high school and that girls actually are earning $3 less than boys in their summer jobs 
already, which is something that uh, I, I, I definitely want to explore a little bit further. Not today necessarily, but I'm wondering just from your perspective as a parent um, and, and as a professional, but more as a parent, like what, what do you think the ingredients are for um, overcoming that type of challenge and for empowering her, your daughter or other girls to thrive both personally and professionally? So, I mean, again, it's a, it's a really important question to address. And I, I think the first thing for me as a parent is awareness. Is she aware that this is, this could happen and this is happening and, and having those discussions, I think for her and I to sit down and have those types of open dialogue and recognize that, you know, these things do happen. What are you going to do about it? If it, if you, if it, this situation happens with you. And I think here's where I think my role is most important is in order for her to deal with any of that, she has to have the self-confidence to believe in herself and trust her gut instincts. And I think my job as a parent, what I've been trying to work on is that exact thing. I want her to trust her gut. And when it's telling her something's wrong or off, she knows she, she has to do something about it. She's confident enough in her ability to steer clear of whatever that happens to be or to call it out or whatever action she decides to take. But my role as a parent is really about making sure she believes firmly in herself and that if she needs to have difficult conversations, she has the language to be able to do that. That's actually a perfect link, I think, to, uh, and, and, and bear with me, but I think that the idea of experiential education, which we are hoping to fit into the conversation today, is a really good way. Um, the, the idea that experience is where that confidence grows out from and, um, and experiential education and learning outside of the classroom and experiencing stuff that is sometimes challenging or difficult is where that confidence grows from, where that voice comes from, where where the words and the language are going to come from. And there's a lot of attention that's been placed on experiential education lately. I mean, it's always been there, but employers uh, and policymakers in particular are putting increased emphasis on the importance of that. Um, why does that matter so much from your perspective as a career professional? And how in your mind is it that we are to get more young people interested early in, uh, you know, stepping outside the classroom and and learning in a practical way? So here in British Columbia, the government last week announced that they're putting nine million dollars into the co-op programs across 25 different post-secondary institutions. And so I immediately thought, oh, that's great because co-op is really good. And then I sat and I thought about it for a moment and I thought. The government just spent nine, just invested $9 million teaching kids, parents, and students the importance of work experience. Wow. To me, it was like, that's career development. That's, yep. It's a really good thing. But wouldn't it be great if we started having those conversations a little bit early? We incented kids to try on jobs well before, you know, we, we put these kids in school and then they consider post-secondary ed- education and then maybe some work experience, and then, you know, in theory, they're supposed to get a job. Mm-hmm. What if that started a little bit earlier? What, what if somehow they had exposure to a day in the life? Like our kids, they see teachers every single day. It's the only career that they see for 12 odd years. Mm, that's interesting. What that's true. We, right? Yeah. Like, so what if we expose them a little bit earlier? Here on the island, um, I'm on, I'm on Vancouver Island. There's yeah. a group called the Island Women in Science and Tech. They did a one-day tour 
where, you know, the group of us went, we got to meet five of the new innovative companies. We learned a little bit about their stories. We toured their places of work and we really got an understanding of ways that we could connect to those particular organizations. Wouldn't it be great if we could do that on a regular basis with our girls? I agree. I agree. I think what uh, one of the things we try to do at Ambitious is to actually uh, zoom out uh, on the program mm-hmm. and to and to actually be quite explicit with the girls who are participating. This is experiential learning. This is something that you're not going to experience in school. This is something that's new and different. So kudos for being here and doing something that you didn't know quite what you were doing to begin with. But this is the kind of experimentation that you could be doing as soon as right now. And it doesn't have to be a big commitment. It doesn't have to be uh, identity forming. It just has to be like just dip your toe in somewhere where you think you might be interested and you want to see, you know, catch a glimpse of what that scene might be like. If you're into sports, then then, you know, zoom around that and see see where you might be able to try uh, and learn from the adults in that realm or domain. So um, in, in my work, I really do try to emphasize that experience is not just a way of learning and discovering your path, but it is also uh, sort of the cornerstone of building confidence. I think there's an assumption a lot of times that girls, that girls themselves have that they were born with confidence or not. And that's just not how it works. It's a muscle that has to be built and developed and, and nobody ever tells them that. So interesting, again, this old idea of co-op and co-op education, especially in high school and post-secondary. What do you see as the biggest challenges for young people and women as they start to explore in high school um, their post-secondary path? I know you have also written another piece that I came across where you talk about the three key people that every high school student should meet before they graduate. Um, can you tell us who those three are? And, and just out of curiosity, would you add any additional uh, ones that would might be more specific to girls? And if not, no big deal. But um, tell us who they are, those three key people. So the three that I mentioned in the article are uh, career development practitioners, the people involved with, yeah. yep, um, people involved with scholarships, and people involved with the gap year. And my thinking there was, these are just things that kids should be exposed to, so they at least can. You know, it's like it's like a buffet. You may not choose everything that's there on the table, but you get to choose what you like. So having exposure to this information, it just gives them more freedom of choice. So the the people that I would add to the list, I mean, there's so many. I've since talked to someone who specializes in ADD and ADHD when students and children and adults. And uh-huh. I think if that was, yes, add that to the list. Obviously, the work that you do, I'm a huge fan. It's why we, it's how we met. Yeah. Um, I think that's definitely, there's so many great things going on in your program. I, I, I will run out of time if I start. Um, there's people in STEM, there's financial advisors and, and banking. I know you feel very strongly about financial literacy. Yeah. Women mentors. I mean, I can't say enough good things about the people who've, who've opened doors for me. I, I'm very grateful. I want to go back to your question of, you know, how can we, how can we help girls understand and, and what's happening? I would say there's such a lack of understanding. I mean, I work mainly with executives, um, and what I hear from them is their kids are confused, they're feeling pressured, they're not sure. 
and, and really, we've sort of set these people up um, not for success. We've held their hand all the way from elementary school, middle school, high school, and now they're they're about to make a what feels like a major life decision. And we let go of their hand and say, "Okay, good luck. What do you pick? Yeah, Just pick you're something. on your own. Pick something. Yeah, and make some money." And so I, yeah, and yeah, and so there's all this pressure. But wouldn't it be great if we were able to give them the tools along the way to help slowly build their confidence mm-hmm. in making those types of decisions? Just pointing them towards the right resources, the right tools. So that's really where that article came from. Is is you know what if you had greater access to these types of tools and information? And I'll I'll say this really quickly too, Catherine. Is you know I, in the piece I wrote. And, and I absolutely mean no disrespect, but I wrote that a lot of parents feel that the high school guidance counselor is handling this and they're doing their best. I mean, kudos to them. Yeah. But there's such a high, there's such an increase in um, kids at risk with mental health issues that the, even the Ontario Counselor Association has identified that these, these folks are overworked. There's not enough, they're not, there's not enough of them. So not to assume that they're getting everything that they need in high school. As a parent, you really want to be an advocate and a champion and make sure that your your girls are and your students are getting everything they need to make great choices. That is very, very valuable insight for our listeners. Thank you. I I I, I completely agree. I do see that the role of the guidance counselor in the high school has shifted slightly um, and is targeted more at that sort of uh, at supporting the mental health of students. And that's actually a very valuable role to to have in the schools. Um, but on the career side, I think there's sort of maybe an outdated assumption that the, the guidance counselors are there to, to guide. Um, and uh, and th- th- that may not in every case be enough. And especially... I think as as the world of work evolves, and we haven't yet talked about it, but let's dive in. Um, in general terms, I think we are all we have sort of a very uh, there's a there's a sense it's very prevalent. Everyone's talking about it that the the future of work is going to going to see some really really fundamental shifts underway through automation and artificial intelligence, both areas which I know not very much about, I will say. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I do sense that there's, there's again, there's maybe a little bit of that fear. And um, th- these are changes that are going to impact absolutely everyone. Um, maybe girls and women differently. Uh, I, we don't have to go there, but just generally what... Um, what is your sense as a parent as an, and as a professional, um, what, are, what are we need to be doing to equip young people so that they can sort of uh, not just survive but, but thrive and, and to build their independence, remain resilient and, and succeed um, as the world of work changes so drastically? Well, I think, you know, the media has done a really great job to hype this up. And I think that a lot of times, like I wrote a piece a couple of years ago called, you know, the robots are not trying to steal your job. Right. That's not what's happening. But there will be a misalignment between the jobs that are available and the people and the skills that exist. Um, there was I read one study by the Canadian um, in the Labor Market Information Council that 42% of Canadian jobs are at risk. Now, if you just ended the sentence there... <laughs> You know, panic station, right? Fear, right. Yeah. But really, it's that things are shifting and changing. So they're automating the repetitive tasks. I think what what we want to do as parents, as educators, um, as people in this space, is 
we want to teach people what skills they need to be on the lookout for, what skills they need to be developing. And I would say it's, it's really threefold. My, my tips are threefold. One, always be learning. That, that just goes without saying. The future of work is about learning. You have to be able to adapt. You have to be responsive to the market. Things are going to change. It's not you're going to graduate from high school and university and have a 40-year-long career and they're going to give you a gold watch at the end. That doesn't, that doesn't exist anymore. So the, the learning piece is number one. Two, you're going to have to be more self-reliant on your own career development. So oftentimes in previous generations, the, the employer took care of you, right? There was promotion. Mm-hmm. You would wait to get tapped on the shoulder for promotion. What I'm seeing more, more and more of is executives being proactive and, and pitching promotion as opposed to waiting, sitting and holding, you know, holding right. back and waiting for that to come. And then the third piece, which I've sort of touched on already is be proactive. You can't be reactive. You can't have a, you know, sitting back and waiting for things to come. I mean, that those days are, are, are pretty much over. You're really trying to take a proactive approach to your own career development, your own learning and where, wherever you see yourself moving forward. Well, thank you for that. I think that for me, that idea of always be learning is, is uh, it's almost, it's like a mantra for myself personally. <laughs> I, right. I, I can't stop myself. It's like my crack. Oh, there's more to learn. Um, <laughs> but I know that's not the, the case for everyone. And I know that uh, it is something that, that is, is kind of a mindset that, that needs to be instilled almost more than a subject area. Uh, and so that's why I think, uh, this notion that that it's all gloom and doom isn't necessarily uh, helping in any way, mm-hmm. uh, especially as the sort of the next cohort of hyper anxious um, uh, young people start to hit the job market where where with parents who are equally and rightfully uh, nervous about the whole thing. So the idea that learning and adapting and being proactive is in fact, it's the it, those are the tools of reinvention. Those are the tools of uh, of um, uh, I think independence, and those are the things that are going to to uh, help that individual navigate uh, not just their career but the future of careers because they are they are changing so much. So, uh, thank you for that. I think actually, what's great about this conversation is that. So much of what you've provided is is really very practical. It's it's it it can it can, will land, I think, with our listeners in terms of understanding uh, their role as parents and educators and how important they are as role models and guides. Uh, but also to maybe open uh, and expose uh, our listeners to the value of of career development. Uh, as a profession, not necessarily to rely exclusively on what is in place, but to look maybe for other sources of of uh, expertise, and to really encourage young people explicitly and intentionally to be um, experience driven uh, in their learning. And I think um, really to the last big takeaway for me is this idea that uh, that we who circle around uh, girls and young women, you as a mother, me as a mother, our listeners as parents and teachers and educators, that we actually it can really uh, bolster and support those young women as they go through these transitions by standing beside them and behind them rather than in front of them and, and pulling them along the way or directing them. And um for me, that's that's at the heart of of what I do. That's clearly what at the heart of what you do. I think that that is 
uh, almost evidenced by by some of the executives you refer to who sort of have these career crises at uh, sort of middle age where they're thinking, oh, I should have just trusted my instincts all along. So um, thank you very, very much for uh, spending some time with us today, for sharing your experience both uh, personally and professionally and your insights. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Well, it was a very fun conversation. I hope that we can continue it offline again soon sometime. And uh, thanks for getting up so early this morning. My pleasure. Okay, goodbye. Ambitious is a social purpose venture taking direct aim at the gender gap in leadership by providing leading edge training programs focused on the economic empowerment, leadership development, and career advancement of girls and young women. We are currently developing a network of like-minded partner organizations to deliver our proprietary startup self-sessions, which combine financial, digital, and civic literacy in a simulated entrepreneurial experience. Suitable for girls and young women aged 13 and up, the startup self-sessions are empowering a new generation of beginner women to become whoever and whatever they want to be. Qualified delivery partners are provided comprehensive training, licensed curriculum, a full suite of program materials, and access to an online community of practice. Focused on real-life learning, ambitious programs are equipping a new generation of entrepreneurs, leaders, and decision-makers with the critical skills and knowledge they need to thrive today and in tomorrow's world. If you are a like-minded organization interested in joining our next cohort of delivery partners, let's talk. Visit ambitious.ca for more information and to get in touch. Thank you to our listeners for joining us on Beginner Women, a show where we throw out our adult agendas to shape a new future for girls. Check out our show notes for the resources we talked about in today's episode and for the actionable insights you can use to nurture and empower the girls you know. If you like what you hear on our show, write us a review on Apple Podcasts and don't forget to subscribe wherever you find your favorite shows. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Ambitious. That's A-M-B-I-S-H-E-O-U-S. 